Hey everyone, this is Pastor Stephen. I wanted to thank you for checking out our podcast, and we hope that this message encourages you and helps you in your pursuit to live for Christ with everything you have. We hope you enjoy the message. If you cannot figure out where we're going this morning, I want you to turn your Bibles to James chapter 3 and just put your finger there. Because what I want to talk about is the fact that James, as we know, is not an easy book, and many of us would love to look at James's letters to the church and just gloss over it and say, oh, I'm done. But because the word of James is a writing to the church that is meant to encourage every single person, both in his time and into the future, that we all need to have this encouragement to do the self-evaluation to see where we are in our walk and in our desires and our pursuit to follow after everything that God has set forth. See, the walk with God is one that the whole church theologians give a great term. It's called the transformation process from becoming sinners and going into this new thing called a new creature through grace. And it is this change that, that, that is changing the being of who we are. Where we once wanted to stay in the dark places. We once wanted to hang out with the, the people that would never judge us because they thought whatever we did was cool. And that self-indulgences that we would walk out with, but we would never over, openly talk about it. But this transformation process that, that, that God is trying to get each and every one of us to become aware of is the ability not to have to hide any longer, but to walk in full transparent openness in a manner and a fashion that we should not be ashamed of what we are doing any longer. See, James is reminding the faithful church to remember the conflicts that happen when we choose to respond in certain matters and mannerisms. That's why James is reminding the church today, as much as he was some 2,000 years ago, that we need to remain faithful to God's Word and to allow the faith that we have in our lives to become active in and through us in the world around us each and every single day. It's a high mark. It's one we don't all really appreciate because I think so many of us don't think we could actually do so. But I think it is this reason that we as a church really need to try to glean from this text as we keep going through it. Yes, next week we won't be in this series because we have the guest speaker, but I have a heart to finish this up because it has the practical natures that we need to put into our own lives to be allow them to be implanted in our hearts to to remind us once again where our first love is as we try to glean from it and truly understand what it looks like to have the heart of worship a heart of worship is one that's where you basically say, I'm emptying myself out and I'm giving it all to you. A heart of worship, we think a lot of the times, the newer generations, it's all about song. Songs are great. 
I can get emotional high with some of the ways that certain songs are written, and I can go, and I can know when they play certain chords that they will bring me to tears in some sense because they make me feel emotions. But worship is what we're doing day in and day out. Worship is what we do when no one is looking. Worship is what we do when we're in the home and just going through our daily motions, trying to do the laundry, trying to make dinner for everybody, trying to do the dishes, keep the floors clean, work on the front yard, talk to a neighbor. It's all worship. And that's what we need to look at a little bit more as we look at the worship and our desire to become completely obedient to God. Obedient. Letting the word come in and saying, I will do what you say, God. Let me walk in a manner that's honoring you that all that I do. And where our heartbeats of our lives should look like that every single moment and every single facet of what we are and who we plan to be. But there is a struggle with each and every one of us because... We all have the idea that what is right in our own eyes should be sometimes how it is. You see, I've met people that have put on this faith in their lives, but then they get this mentality in their hearts and in this brain process where they think that they've done this thing called arise. Arrive. You know, you know what the GPS says when you put the address in and it tells you to drive around and then it says, you've arrived. And you got to your destination, right? You know how it is. Sometimes that GPS is a little wicked little devil and wants to take you every other way. But I'm not going to go there this morning. But there are some people in this world that think that once they put on this idea of what faith is, that they've arrived where their destination is bringing them. Yeah, Kelsey, no, we have not. If we think we've arrived, then we have gotten ourselves a little miscued and misaligned with what God is doing. And that's where this idea of sins and, 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 and stuff comes back in. Like this thing called pride. This idea that you are righteous in your own eyes. Or better yet, you get the idea that you've arrived and all of a sudden the world comes back in and lust starts taking over and your eyes are going darting left and right instead of looking straight ahead at the one and only true Savior of the world. Or worse, where you become so hungry for authority and position because you want what comes with it. You see, all of these have the power to consume each and every one of us if we do not seek to check our hearts every single day and every single moment of our lives. That is why I love how Paul's word writes it and reminds us that you have to kill your flesh and your desires and your ideals every single day. But it's not easy. It's not easy to look in our own eyes and see the issues. It's not easy in our own eyes to, to think that we're not right. 
But what I've learned is, as we read his word, and we ask the Holy Spirit to come into it, he starts exposing the stuff that we have, that we need to work on and correcting. You see, as a pastor, I took the calling that I was to hold not easily. Part of it is is because I've read James chapter 3 so much. And in James chapter 3 verse 1, it talks clearly that not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You see, when I, when I came into the position and knowing that I was going to have to be the orator of the word, the gospel, to try to translate that to everyday people, to allow them to get a sense of what God is trying to say to them, I don't take it lightly. Because what I've learned in my life is that everything that I say up here gets measured by this right here on my pulpit. And it gets measured by this, and God's looking down saying, is he doing it right? And I know that it's got a heavy weight on my shoulders because I don't want to disseminate anything out of this word that would make it to where you become misaligned with his purpose. And it's a struggle. Let me tell you, I would love to come in here and give you the happy-go-lucky messages. But every day I wake up and I say, Lord, what do you want me to tell your people? And he keeps saying, just teach them to love me. Teach them to pursue after me. Teach them to realize that there's greater in this life that they don't know and they have to hold on to it. And better yet, to teach them that the spotlight is not always the best light. That's why anybody that ever comes to me and says, I want to be a pastor, I give them the same advice that I've gotten all my life. If you can do anything else, do it. And they're like, what are you talking about? And I'm like, you don't realize The burden is not easy. It is heavy. Not just the fact of having to listen to the issues of everyone around you, trying to help them and give them the wisdom that a 41-year-old has in his life for somebody sometimes a whole lot more advanced in age. But it's about giving a word of life in a way, in a fashion, that will allow them to not walk away offended in everything that I do. And it's a job that's not easy. But yet people in this world want it. People in this world loved the idea of having the notoriety. They want to be the next Joel Olstein, the Stephen Furtick's. They want to be T.G. Jakes and all these other big known pastors that make the millions of dollars because their ministries are bang, bringing in all the bank. Better yet, they want position and ability to have authority over people so that their opinions will be greater. But can I just say, the prestige of it all isn't worth it. 
I'd rather be a pastor of one person in my household than what I do all the time every single day. But I walk in the obedient nature and manner to want to honor God and all that I do because I know that I don't want to see people walk in error in their daily lives. You see, this week, I had this old song come into my head that I haven't heard since I was a kid. And I'm like, Lord, what is this that you're trying to get into my head? And all I kept hearing was the same verse. You want me to sing it? Okay. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. For the Father up above is looking down with tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then it continues on. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. See, those are actions about what we... I don't want praise for my song. I know I don't sound good half the time, so we're okay. But here's what I want you to understand. Those two verses that are going on are all about this active intake. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Well, that's easy. Some days in our lives, it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to look straight ahead to Christ. And I'm not going to look to the left in that temptation. And I'm not going to look to the right in that temptation. And I'm not going to go keep walking in this awkward focus as I'm going through this life. Better yet, some days it's easy to put my fingers in my ears and walk around going, la, 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 I can't hear you. Because I'm remembering the fact that God has got a different standard than my own. But I would love it if the hymnist didn't, or would have just stopped there. But he keeps going on as he, he talks about it. He says, oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. There's a father up above that's looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. And that's the point that I'm going to get to this morning. Because people like the idea of the notoriety of becoming a pastor, but I already know that the thing that comes off my tongue, if I'm not careful, if I'm not method, I can't even say the word, it's not letting me come off. If I'm not meticulous with the way I try to say things and how I try to articulate things, Aspects of what I would say could be so detrimental to everyone around us. And the fun part is, most of us think that that's only about the minister up here in the pulpit. Most of us would say, oh, if the preacher would just say the right thing all the time, we would have a whole lot of good stuff. But I love how James didn't just stop right there after verse 1 and just say it's only about the one person in charge that has to say what's right. You see, there's a whole lot more to this equation than just one equals all. 
The only reason why one would ever equal all is because what Jesus does for us. But there's more into that equation because one covers all equals mission. Oh, I'm going to teach a math class this morning. Oh, oh you got to love it when the teenagers come into the, in the, in the sanctuary this morning and they hear math and they're like, oh, Lord. What am I getting into? No, Jesus has got a greater plan than what we'd ever understand. And that comes as we get down into it. Because in James chapter 3, he goes further as we look at the next 12 verses. Yet, are you ready? She says, yes. Not many of you should be teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man. Oh, Lord, I want to be that at all times. Can I, can I get an agreement? Able also to bridle with his whole body. But if he puts a bit into his mouth of horses so that they must obey us, we guide our whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. They... Though they were large, they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot will direct them. So also the tongue, a small member, yet it boasts of many great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a, fl- is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast of the bird, or beast and bird, or of reptile and of sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poisons with it blessed from with it we bless the lord our in father and with it we curse the people who made or who are made in the likeness of god for the same mouth comes blessings and curses my brothers these things ought not to be so does a spring pour forth the same opening with both fresh and salt water Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Those words are not easy. It's not easy to always understand what James is trying to talk about, but he's quoting his brother in all that he does. He's talking about the issues that happen within humanity. And so often we don't realize they are set ablaze by this tongue. You see, one of the things that I've witnessed in my own life is that this thing right here in our mouth has always been trouble, but we have to learn to tame it. You see, this thing in your mouth that you can articulate a sentence on was one that was founded in the first moments of your birth where you're going, yeah, and it's, it's just making the high-pitched squeals. 
And then over the course of times, you learn to tell people who you want. Mama, dada. I like it when my kids say dada. They said it first. Ha, my wife, loser. Ha. See, i got to break the ice somehow, don't I? Then we learn how to articulate words like hungry, thirsty, or better yet, in my household, I pooped. And then we learn to express these crazy things that our, our emotions are. I'm sad. I'm emotional. I'm this. I'm that. All the world's so desperately against me. Then we learn to sing songs. And then we learn to speak words that are written on pages by others. You see, what I'm trying to get at is this tongue that we learn to control all the way through our adolescence, our infants, our toddler years, all of these things is still something that we in our adulthood grapple with every single day. Because one of the things that I've learned, it is this one truth. It's so quick and easy to say a sentence, but a negative statement is not something that can ever be easily revoked or forgotten. Oh, you don't believe me. Go talk to your spouse. Oh, I, I, I can recall the days whenever I make my wife mad, she looks at me and says, Honey, I remember when you said this, 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 and this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I remember the moments when you told me that I was this. I remember the moments when you said this. And I'm looking at her going, Honey, why are you calling me out for something I might have said 15 years ago? I, I don't think it's just that, Dom. Yeah, a negative statement is not easily forgotten or revoked in anything that we do. How many times has it been that you've let something slip and you're like immediately, oh, instant regret? See, we all do that. But you know, there's a scientific proof of why it's not easily forgotten. It's because a positive affirmating thought is one that we're like, oh, that's so awesome. They said I'm so sweet. And then it goes, whoop right back in the memory banks and it gets locked away in the filing cabinet never to be seen from again. But the second somebody looks at you and says, oh, I know what you did. Oh, you are so wicked and so evil, blah, 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 blah. You know what happens? The brain kicks on. It goes, okay, what are my talking? What are they talking about? What did I do? What did they do wrong? How can I fix the situation? All this stuff. And your emotions start doing things. And science says that anything that there's a giant emotional connection with it makes the memory stand out even longer. And that's why what I feel that we have to realize is that our words matter because of that reason. You see, I still hold on to the moments where I can remember hearing things inside of churches that made me never want to come back into a church. I can remember one person looking at me saying, oh, you smoke cigarettes. You don't belong here. I can remember going to a church where they looked at me and says, you know what? You dress halfway decent, but you're just not good enough. I can remember the moments where I heard somebody look at me going, 
He's singing like that. I got to get up and move my seat. He just sounds horrible. Better yet, I, I can remember a pastor looking at me as I was trying to find a mentor, somebody that would pour into me after the calling that God had given me. And they looked at me and says, you know what? I don't think you got it. Only those that grew up in the pastor's homes can be good pastors. Those things are right there, are scarring memories on me. But let me tell you something. It's those scarring memories that I look to basically wipe out of my memory as I walk in this thing called obedience to God and all that I am. Because what I've learned as is the church is often so full of wicked, nasty words that come through it. Oh, you don't get it. You don't get it. I've heard some of the worst ideas and things out of people's mouth that sit in churches week after week. Because they've never read through James chapter 3 with the articulation and a dedication to say, God, expose something within me. That's why I've heard people in the church say, is my coffee going to make me worse because I have it and is not worthy of forgiving my sins? Is that why we've had people be told, everyone won't look at you because you're nasty looking and you're filthy and you smell bad. Is that why we've had people give dirty looks because they know the past that you've had and don't want to forgive you for it or see that God is doing some kind of work on you? You see, I've heard people be so nasty in the churches that people will never walk through the doors again. That's why this right here is one of the biggest culprits of killing churches every single week. It's not what the pastor says. Well, sometimes it is, depending on the pastor. If his, if his idea is to only get the notoriety and the praise by giving you the milk kind of gospel, then yeah, he's probably going to be a little bit wrong. But we got to get some meat going into some people where they can actually hear the deeper, darker truths in their lives so that way they can say, I see a self-evaluation that I need to check out, something that needs to be addressed in my life so that I can walk wholeheartedly to God. Because what we have to truly understand that the psalmist in Psalms 19.14 says, Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, I know that it isn't what most of us want to say in our lives is saying that everything that we say needs to be held in account in a relatable sense. But the truth is, every word that we should want to ever let leave loose or leave loosely out of our lips need to always be words that we should use to honor God in all that we do. And it's not an easy journey because as James alluded to in this text, he says we all stumble in many ways. Lord knows, being married to my wife as long as I have, I've stumbled. And more times than not, then I look at her and I have to say, look, honey, I made a mess of it. I'm sorry. Because I want to honor God with what I do with her and how I communicate with my wife to lift her up, to be the priest of my household. And the same with my kids. There are days that I want to look at them and say, I hate you. Get out of it. But I choose to articulate words that would honor God when I look at her and say, honey, I'm not appreciative of the way you're dealing with this, but I love you and let me walk you through in a way, in a manner that would help you grow in understanding. 
You see, because I've learned long ago that what Jesus spoke in Matthew, where he says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasures, brings forth good things. And the evil person, out of his evil treasures, brings forth more evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word that they speak. For by your words you shall be justified, and by your words you shall be condemned. Your words matter. What does the old saying? Loose lips, loose lips sink ships. Loose lips will sink you pretty quickly if you're not careful. It'll sink you in relationships. It'll sink you in jobs. It'll sink you in everything that you do. That's why you need to learn that what James is trying to allude to is that this right here might seem untamable. It might seem unrestrictable. It might seem like you're losing it all out because it seems like every day you're starting up new fires with different ways that you communicate. That you're setting up new things that you're going to have to try to put this fire out over here or put this fire out over there because of what you're saying. And you think that you can't get it under control. Let me tell you right now, I used to have the mouth of a sailor. I used to be able to cuss you up and down in French and in Spanish and even in Japanese. Why? Because I purposely pursued those words because I wanted to make myself a little bit more, I guess, different. But it was not by my own power or by my own strength or by my own ability that I was able to learn to articulate and control this thing that's in me that's communicating with you right now. It's not by your own power. It's not by your own strength that you can put out the flames that this thing is trying to get you into hell with. But it's by the truth of what James is writing to the church. For we all have many struggles and we all are struggling to, to contain this, 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 this untamable little thing in our mouth that wants to articulate words that would chastise people and to curse people. But we need to let His Spirit rise up within us to allow it to be the ultimate vessel that would honor God. You see, the Scripture reminds us that if we won't worship Him, if we won't praise Him, if we won't bless His names, His name, I not plural, the rocks would cry out. See, I take that as a commandment of my own. Every day I wake up. Every day I get going. Every day I start going, Lord, help me to control my thoughts. Help me to cleanse out my heart. Help me to kill this flesh within me. And let me be the vessel that speaks life and life more abundantly in every single person. Help me to be the thing that you called me to be. Help me to, to control this vessel that's in my mouth that I can't control. Holy Spirit, I need you is what I pray every single day. And every single day he gives me new words. Yeah, it would be easy to slip up and let the little curse words, the four-letter words come out. Every day it would a whole lot be easier to come out and get so upset and not be able to articulate in a manner and a fashion what I'm feeling. 
where it would come out more callous and destructive. And no, even as a pastor, there are still days just last week that I regret some of the words I said because I couldn't articulate properly. But every single day I find myself as a work in progress. Every single day you should find yourself in the same manner. Realizing that there are going to be days that this flesh will try to overtake you. And the words that will come through, it might sound wrong. But it's time to repent from those and start turning to God a little bit more and letting Him start taming this untamable thing within you. So that He could set forth what your purpose is in every single fashion of your life. Because the church doesn't need more wisdom. If you think it's all out of you. The church needs more Holy Spirit truth. You wonder why that the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon people, he starts speaking and giving you tongues of different languages and different utterances. It's because he's able to take hold of this thing in your mouth that could curse and allow it to be a blessing on the flip side. But it all starts with the moment where you say, Lord, I surrender all. Lord, let me be careful with what my little tongue will say because I know what you're doing, because I know what you're capable of holding on to. If you'll stand with me this morning, I might have to continue on with this a little bit more. I still got 10 more pages of notes, but I see the time and I know it's getting cold and I know you are probably measuring what I said a little bit more. No, it's good to measure. Don't believe everything that comes out of my mouth. Go and read the word for yourself. Go seek after it. Because what I didn't get to was this fact. The reason why James was really adamant about what we speak and the importance of it was because back then they didn't have the text. They didn't have the Bible with all the words in it that you have. They didn't have smartphones with the version app in it. They didn't have those things. They had one person that would have to translate what they have known about Jesus and his saints and his teachings. Their words matter. But here's another thing that I want you to hold on to. Your words matter because what we tell our kids, there are some days that you're the only Bible people will ever read. Take that to heart. The way you operate, the words you say, the how you say it, what your intention is in your heart is the Bible that people read. So that's why James is writing to the church saying it's important that you watch what you say. Let us bow. Father God, I thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for each and every one of us, Lord, that is in this place. I thank you for your word and how you had your messenger write it down so clearly, Lord, that this tongue in our mouth, Lord, needs to have you controlling it. Lord, we ask that you just come into our minds, Lord. Clear our thoughts, Lord. Touch our hearts, Lord. And let the thing that transpires in here become something that's a place where you can dwell and you can live and you could be honored, Lord. But Lord, give us the ability to articulate what you want us to say. Lord, as we wake up every single morning, Lord, let us just say, Lord, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I want to be a vessel that spreads forth this message. Because we're all called on mission to be proclaimers. 
Not all teachers, not all preachers, not all of that. Because we don't want the notoriety and the fame, but we want to be obedient to know that we are what we are doing every single moment is to honor you. Lord, we ask you to touch this place. Touch each and every one of us as we get ready to go home, God. Be with us, Lord, as we get in the car and we start getting cut off, Lord, and let our words be chosen. When our kids get a little unruly, Lord, let our words be measured. And Lord, when we're dealing with conflict and adversity, God, let us just turn our our attention and focus to you. Lord, be with us, Lord, in this day. Be with us all as we get ready to leave this place, Lord, and empower us by your Spirit. Because without your Holy Spirit, God, we can't do anything. But we know that your Word says that if we are hungry and thirsty after him, Lord, he will come and he will be our helper in all that we do. Lord, we need your helper, Lord, in every single one of us. We need him to lead us, to guide us, to walk alongside of us, Lord, in all that we do. But we praise you for this moment. We praise you for what you're doing right now, Lord. And we give it all to you.